Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, body ministry, part 1. And today we're going to consider this notion of what it means to be members of one body. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead or to provide for others, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In our consideration of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we saw that as we are transformed into the image of God by the renewing of our minds, we start to understand and live according to the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And we saw that the Bible speaks clearly of the many ways in which we can know the will of God. The will of God in many different areas, it's just very clear. There's no argument, there's no confusion. It's very clearly defined for us and we see it. We also saw that when we are trying to decide about something that is not directly referenced in the Bible, who to marry, where to go, what to do, what job to take, we're not, we're not, we don't see a direct reference in the Word of God, but the Bible still provides the principles, the foundational truths, and the guidelines by which we can discern the will of God and make wise choices that are consistent with what God has already revealed, with what he's directly communicating right now, and what he has promised for the future. Right? So we are able to apply the word of God to these decisions and choices. As we continue to focus on knowing the will of God, right, this good, pleasing, and perfect will, here in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, we have three directives that are clearly the will of God for us. Number one, don't think too highly of yourself. Number two, live as members of one body. Number three, use your spiritual gifts to minister to one another. Now, this morning, I want to spend most of our time on the first two directives, which are very closely related. And then I'll briefly introduce this topic of spiritual gifts, which we will go into into more depth in the next few weeks. So first point, don't think too highly of yourself. Or in other words, don't be proud. Don't boast about your accomplishments, your accomplishments or your resources. And don't look down on others. This, this call to humility, this is a constant command in the word of God. Right? Always, you'll see this. Be humble. Don't think too highly of yourself or it's in some other words. But it's, it's very clear. This call to humility, it's a constant thing in the word of God. 
And the point is making, the point that the word of God is making is don't think that it is your good works, your good reputation, your good background, your good giving, or anything that you can point to as good that has justified you or that continues to sanctify you. You're not brought into the kingdom of God because of your goodness. You're not preserved in the kingdom of God because of your goodness. It is the grace of God, even as we were reminded right at the beginning of the service. It is because of God's mercy and grace that we stand. It is because of God's grace that we are who we are. When we understand that, and we see who we are in Christ Jesus, we will then have a proper and accurate self-image and self-esteem. When we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, we will not think of ourselves as higher than others. Instead, we will be sober-minded in our assessment of ourselves and others. Now, it's not an accident that Paul uses the term sober judgment to describe how we should think. When you are not sober, when you're under the influence of alcohol, it affects how you think and therefore how you behave. Consuming large quantities of alcohol over long periods of time affects your heart, your liver, your pancreas, and your immune system. It'll kill you. But according to the National Institute of Health, and you know this even anecdotally, even small amounts of alcohol can interfere with the brain's communication pathways and can affect the way that the brain functions. There are disruptions. These disruptions can then change your mood, it can change your behavior, and it can make it harder to think clearly and to move with coordination. Right? What's the application for us? Why does Paul bring this up? When we are unduly influenced by the world, our own flesh, and the devil, even in small and subtle ways, our thinking is impaired. It's like you're on alcohol. We are unable to think clearly. Our actions are not coordinated with the Holy Spirit. And our attitudes and our behaviors don't reflect the truth and love of God. Romans 12.3 tells us that we should have sober judgment. But it also says that this sober judgment about ourselves, when we think of ourselves correctly, it should be according to the faith that God has distributed to each one of us. What is that faith? It is the saving faith of God given to each one of us who believes in him. It is the same faith given to each one of us. This is not something different. This is not a measure of faith. This is not a different faith. All of us that have been saved, all of us that have been joined into the body of Christ as believers in Christ, all of us who are identified as children of God, all of us who are by his mercy and grace brought together in this relationship with him and therefore with one another, we experience, we have received this same faith. We have been given all that the Lord has intended for us as his 
children. So our sober-mindedness, our ability to think soberly and to judge soberly and to consider ourselves in the right way is not dependent on our human abilities. It's not dependent on our wisdom. So if you say, well, you know, I'm an immature Christian, I don't know how to think rightly of myself. No. The same faith that has been given to you has been given to somebody else that allows you to think soberly, that allows you to be sober-minded. We have no excuse. We can't say, well, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't thinking right. You know, I just said that. We, we make these kind of statements, don't we? Oh, I just did it in the heat of the moment. You know, they provoked me. You know, we just sort of say these things. But the Bible is saying, be sober-minded. Be sober judging. Be soberly judging your actions, your words, your thoughts, according to the faith that has been given to you. This like precious faith that the Lord has given to you, this, this call to be his child, this is something that's very, very unique, very beautiful, very precious. And according to that grace, that mercy, that faith that the Lord has given to you, think and consider yourself, assess yourself with sober judgment. We have been given the person of the Holy Spirit, and through the person of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the mind of Christ. So we can think soberly. We can think clearly. Our minds can be renewed. Doesn't matter what age. Doesn't matter what circumstance. We don't have to excuse any kind of past behavior. Oh, that was because, you know, I used to be like this. All You know, I've, I've grown up like this. I've thought like this. So I can't change. No. The transformation, the renewal, the sober judgment is possible because we have the mind of Christ, because we have the faith of God. So the second point from this passage is closely related to this first one. And the second point is very straightforward. Live as members of one body. Live as members of one body. If you think too highly of yourself, you will not think of others as equal members of the same body of Christ that you belong to. You will always think of yourself as something better or superior or you know, more holy or something. You will not think of yourself equally with the other members. So this... This first charge that says, don't think too highly of yourself, is very, very related to then being able to say, we live as members of one body. Right? When you live as members of, or if you, if you don't think correctly of others, you will not be able to function as a contributing member of the same body. Because you don't have the right attitude towards the other members. You're not thinking of them in the same way. You're not considering them and valuing them. Therefore, you will not be able to function effectively in the body. So much division in the body of Christ is not because we truly are disagreeing about doctrine, but rather because of how we think about ourselves. And because we have a certain thought about ourselves, we deal with the other person in an inappropriate, ungodly, unbiblical way. Now, as we go through this passage in Romans on body ministry and spiritual gifts, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. Those chapters in 1 Corinthians provide very relevant and useful elaborations of these truths in Romans chapter 12. So I will refer to those scriptures in 1 Corinthians as we go along in Romans 12. And this morning... I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verses 12 through 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by, we were brought into, we were immersed in, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, where, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Glorious, glorious statements. Notice the descriptions and the emphases. We are members of one body called to have equal concern for each other. We are united. We rejoice together. We suffer together. We are interconnected and we are interdependent. God could have chosen to relate to each one of us only individually. Right? We could have been saved and then God would have just dealt with each one of us individually. That could have been what he did. And he certainly loves and cares for us individually as his children. But he also deals with us collectively. And you see this throughout the word of God. The children of Israel were blessed collectively and punished collectively. Whole nations were affected collectively. God gives commands and promises to the body of Christ, the church, collectively. And Jesus will return for the church collectively. So, you want to grow, mature as a disciple of Christ, and fulfill the, God's purpose for your life? Well, pray and labor for every member of the body of Christ to grow and mature and be fulfilled. Think about it. If you want your physical body to be well, you won't pray and take care of just your arms. Right? And you say, oh, Lord, just make sure my arms are good. Right? 
or it won't just be take care of your internal organs. I don't care about what's happening on the outside, but the internal organs, just the internal organs, God. Or just your skin. And by the way, these are all specific things that we all pursue. Just your skin, you know. If I just take care of my skin, if I glow, you know, then I'll be good. And we do all these things, but think about it. We don't say, well, it's just sufficient to take care of one part of my body. We do what's necessary for every part of our body to be equally healthy so that the whole body will be healthy. So do, when we desire to be blessed in the Lord, to be growing in the Lord, to be doing all of these things, to be used by Him, don't let that prayer be just for yourself. Pray for every single member of the body of Christ. And say, Lord God, you build them up. Build them up. Help them to mature, to grow, to manifest all of these things, to be so on fire for you. And as they pray for me, oh, let me also have the same. By the way, if you're praying only for yourself, you have one person praying for you. If you're praying for everybody else and everybody else is praying for you, you have a whole lot more, many more people praying for you. What would you prefer? You know, you want to be spiritually blessed, preserved in Christ, empowered, anointed for ministry. Pray and labor for every member of the body of Christ to be blessed, to persevere, to be preserved, and to overflow with the oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If all the members of the body are doing well, then that means that you individually will be doing well. If any member of the body is not doing well, then that means that each of us individually will be negatively impacted. We either rise or fall together. Now, we pray for and care about the universal church of Christ, the body of Christ comprised of believers all over the world. We support missionaries. We connect with believers everywhere as much as we possibly can. We reach out to those that are part of the body of Christ. But our strongest and most regular expression of care for the members of the body of Christ is in and through the local church. That's the agency, that's the channel, that's the means by which we do this. And so we pray for and care deeply about the whom the Lord has placed us in close fellowship with. God has brought us into this local church. God has brought us into this local fellowship. And so we care about and express as, as strongly as we can that love and concern and prayer for those group of people, for that group of people. And we want to see each of those brothers and sisters in the local church prospering in the Lord. This is not a responsibility of the pastor and a few others who can pray for others or do, no. It's our joint responsibility that we would say, Lord God, I want every single person in my local church to be built up, to be growing, to be prospering, to be whole in spirit, soul, and body. Oh, to be maturing in you, to be doing all that you have purposed for them. We want to pray like that. We want to live like that. So, as every one of us, when we as integral members of the body are called to bless the others members of the body, when we pray regularly for each other, when we provide meals or assist in some other way, when we share something that encouraged us and our brother or our sister is also encouraged, 
when we meet together on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Friday or a Saturday, when we share in communion together, when we play games together, when we share a meal together, we're saying to our brothers and our sisters that we care about them. We want to know them better. We want to spur them on to love and to good works. We want to collectively be prepared for the coming of the Lord. So, I've purposely not yet mentioned an important part of how we bless and care for each other in the body of Christ and the local church. A particular point that is highlighted in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And in that section, it makes it very clear that we bless and care for each other by exercising our spiritual gifts for the benefit of others. Right. Now, no, notice what it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. It says, each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. We belong to each other. We have been given different spiritual gifts. And each person's gift complements the other person's gift. Our gifts belong to each other. When we allow the Lord, the gift giver, to work through us according to His grace, then each one of our gifts directly benefits somebody else. And that's the beauty of living together like this. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, it lists seven gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving or contributing, leading, and showing mercy. Seven different gifts are listed there. And if you go through that passage, you'll say, oh, okay, that makes sense, I see this. But there are essentially five passages in the Bible, including 1 Corinthians 12. I read a little bit there from there about the body of Christ. I encourage you again to read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. There are a number of gifts that are listed there. And there are essentially five passages in the Bible, including 1 Corinthians 12, that list different spiritual gifts. Now, on screen here, it may be a little difficult to see this, uh, just being smaller font, but this list will be posted online in the church website along with the sermon notes, so you'll be able to look at this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 that we're reading right now, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, together they list 22 unique spiritual gifts. Not one, not ten, not five, you know. 22 unique spiritual gifts. Some of them are repeated in some of the passages, so that's why, you know, the numbering shows it that way, so that you get to 22, at least 22 uh, unique gifts. And, you know, they can be broadly categorized into speaking gifts or expression, gifts that are expressing, such as prophecy or teaching and so on. They could be broadly categorized into those kind of speaking gifts, into leadership gifts, and to serving gifts. 
But as we go through the next few weeks, I'll explain and I'll go through this to say, to explain why we shouldn't think of it too much in categories. Because we will tend to say, oh, I'm in this category and I'm not in that category. That's not the way we should think about it, right? So we'll go through that in a little bit more detail in the next few weeks. But this week, I just wanted to put these things up here, the list up here. And also in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, it refers in general to whoever speaks and whoever renders service. And that covers a wide variety of gifts. But here's why I'm presenting this list, this, this list here and this saying, you know, look at this, pay attention to this, read through this, and so on. You may think that spiritual gifts are just for a select few. That only a few people have spiritual gifts. And everybody else just enjoys their gift. Right? Or there may not be enough gifts to go around. Uh, maybe there's like three or four or five or seven gifts, you know, prophecy, teaching, you know, and, you know, you can't have everybody being prophet. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. Let these other people get it, do it, do something with it. I'm okay. No, there are plenty of gifts. There's a wide variety of gifts. There's a whole different set of areas that you could be receiving this gift from God and then exercising that gift in. And Romans 12 is reminding us that God gives gifts to everyone. God is not partial, right? 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We can be led by the Holy Spirit to discover, to know what our gifts are. We can develop and grow in the exercise of our gifts. And in the next parts of the sermon series, we'll go through these gifts in more detail. But it is important, however, today that before we go into more specific details about the gifts, we think correctly about spiritual gifts in general. And so here's the thing. If gifts are given for the benefit of the body, then gifts did not cease with the death of the first century apostles. Right? If gifts are for the benefit of the body, and God is giving these gifts for the body to be built up, it couldn't have ceased. It has to continue, because the body is still here. So, if gifts are gifts and not rewards, then God, who does not show favoritism, will give gifts to all his children. Right? He doesn't say, I give you a gift and I don't give you a gift. Right? God doesn't do that. He's not showing favoritism. He's not partial. He's not... You know, obligated in some way. He says, I give gifts to my children. And so, if gifts are gifts and not rewards, then God gives gifts. Spiritual gifts are not human talents or abilities or dependent on our personalities and preferences. There is an interaction between them and as God gifts you in certain areas, you may exercise them, you may show them, you may manifest them, you may minister in ways that make your, that, that combine with your abilities and your preferences and your background and all of these kinds of things. But they're not synonymous, right? It's these things, these spiritual gifts are given by God as he deems fit for his glory and our good. Spiritual gifts are not ranked according to visibility and influence. So that you would say, oh, the gift of miracles is much more important than the gift of administration. No, that's not the way that God is speaking about them. 
He's not saying, oh, you, you prophesy, mm, you're better. That's not the point. These gifts are given by God for that common good, for the building up of the body. Spiritual gifts are developed as we exercise them and we mature in our understanding and expression of them over time. Spiritual gifts may be used in an area of ministry but are not synonymous with serving or ministering in that way by living out the gospel. What I mean by that is this. We don't say, I can't pray because I don't have the gift of prayer. By the way, it's not even a list. It's not even listed. Prayer is not listed as a gift, right? That's just something we do. Um, but we, we can't say that. We can't come to God and say, well, I don't have the gift of prayer, so I don't pray. I can't serve because I don't have the gift of helps or compassion. I don't have enough faith because I don't have the gift of faith. Right? I can't give because I don't have the gift of giving. These are not excuses. These are not statements that we can make. There's a way in which we have to understand how these gifts work with what is a standard or, or the foundational truths of our daily Christian lives. Our daily victorious Christian living is because of saving faith, the word of God, the gospel truths, and the Holy Spirit that all of which have been richly given, richly poured out on us and poured out on every believer. Spiritual gifts are additional and available for all of us to fulfill all that God has for us. It is where he says, look, I give you all of these things. You're all equal here. But I also desire to give you these gifts so that you will fulfill all that I have in mind for you. You will be fully realized in your potential. As Romans 12, 3 through 8 makes clear, the receiving and exercise of spiritual gifts begins with us committing to love and care for the members of the body of Christ. So we respond and apply this word of God that we have heard by committing to love and care for the members of the body of Christ. You want spiritual gifts? First commit to the body. You want to be used of God? You want to fulfill his purpose? You want to be a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God? You want to have a flourishing marriage? You want to do all of these things? You want to parent your children? You want to you know, live right? Commit to love and care for the members of the body of Christ. As the body develops, as the body is healthy, as the body is blessed and grows in the Lord, you will also be blessed. You will also experience the powerful working of God in us collectively and therefore in us individually. We must value the body. We must value the members of the body. We desire spiritual gifts because we love others. We exercise spiritual gifts because we care for others. It's very ironic that disagreements over the nature and expression of spiritual gifts have caused divisions in the body of Christ. Because the truth that the word of God is showing us is spiritual gifts are given so that we may be even more united in the body. 
we would depend on one another. We'd say, oh, I praise God that this gift is working through me for your benefit, but I praise God that this gift is working in you for my benefit. Oh, I need you, brother. I need you, sister. I need you. And we need each other to be coming together like that. I want to see the spiritual gifts in full force in your life. And you want to see the spiritual gifts in full force in my life so that we can come together in one body, so that we can truly be a blessing to one another and therefore a blessing to the world around us. When Jesus said, those that are around you, the world that is around you, will know that you are my disciples, will know that you are my children, will know that you belong to me by your love. He's speaking about all of these things that are interconnected into it. The love and the care that we show for each other, the love and the care that we express, the spiritual gifts that complement that relationship, that's what the world will see. You know, if you have a big healing ministry or you have a prophetic ministry or you have something else that's quite dramatic, quite visible, maybe the world will be attracted to it for a bit. Maybe they'll come and pay attention to it for at least some time. Maybe there's a spectacle of sorts. But ultimately, ultimately, what keeps people in Christ, what brings them to the body of Christ and keeps them in the body of Christ is the body of Christ. Not just our spiritual gifts. So this morning, I want to emphasize this point. I want to set this as the foundation. Because if we start talking about spiritual gifts and I talk about what it means and how it is and how can we discover it and what should we do and what are practical steps and here are the things that we should pray for, you'll focus on that. And you'll say, let me be, let me be a better me with more spiritual gifts. But no, I want to emphasize that we want to be a better us. We want to be a better body. We want to truly invest into the lives of our brothers and sisters. We want to pray for people by name. We want to come together as men, as women, as youth, as young adults, as married couples, as whatever it may be, to say, oh God, how do we build each other up? How do we build each other up? How can we do this in this local church? How can every local church do this? How can every local church be so strong in the word and in the Holy Spirit, manifesting these things, moving in these ways, so that the body of Christ all over the world will be built up, will be made strong, will be spotless and without blemish, will be prepared, made ready for your coming. Oh, that's our goal. That's our desire. That's our, that's our hope. We say, oh God, do this. Do this. Let us be members of one body. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, you give us wisdom. You give us insight. You give us your word. And it is powerful for us. Lord God, we thank you that your word, Lord, it challenges us and it requires of us to be members of one body. We're not isolated. We can't just be on our own. We have to be interconnected. We have to be interdependent. We have to value our brothers and our sisters. Lord, we cannot think too highly of ourselves. And Lord, when we are rightly connected in the body of Christ, when we see our, the members of the body for who they are and what they mean to you, then Lord, we cannot think too highly of ourselves. We will not be proud or boastful about our individual accomplishments. 
we will instead look for the body of Christ to be built up, to be made strong, to stand fast, to resist the devil, oh, to shine as a light, to be able to bring others and to invite the people of the world to come and experience this same, Lord, wonderful relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. We glorify you. Lord, let these truths get into us. Let it come deep into us. Let us live according to these truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.